The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. All right, if you would turn to Galatians chapter 1. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 1, that's over. You can thumb around there in the New Testament and you'll find it. It's not very big, but you can find it. This is a true story. Uh, Cliff started working at a barbecue restaurant. His job was to do anything that the boss told him. One Friday night, they were exceptionally busy. Uh, Cliff was cleaning off tables. His boss ran out and said, Cliff, we're in trouble. We need, uh, we're out of quarters and we need some more. Customers are waiting. He handed him two $20 bills and said, go next door and try to get $40 worth. Cliff, the gas station that was next door, the cashier said, I'm not allowed to give that much change. So he ran down the street, past the grocery store to the nearby bank, but it was closed. So he finally came back to the store. He went in, the clerk had pity on him. She gave him four rolls of quarters. 20 minutes later, after he ran back into the restaurant and handed his boss a rolls of coins, his boss asked, where are the quarters at? Out of breath, Cliff said, they're right here. And his boss looked at him kind of frustrated, kind of smiling and said, I meant chicken quarters. We're out of chicken quarters, not quarters. Obviously, uh, now that's true, so it don't have to be funny, but uh, it's obvious that Cliff had misunderstood uh, the meaning of quarters. Now we probably all, when we heard that, would have thought the same way. Uh, misunderstanding of quarters, but we're going to talk about grace today, and grace is kind of the same way. There's a lot of people that misunderstand grace. We sing amazing grace, but not everyone understands what amazing grace really is, and uh, this is, of course, Independence Day weekend, I guess you would say, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the things and some of the freedoms that we have uh, obviously, probably one of the darkest hours in American history with the Civil War, and more Americans died in the Civil War than in World War I or World War II combined together. There were more Americans killed there. David Dykes, he's a pastor there in uh, Tyler, Texas. He was an English teacher, and uh, he said this. He, he said, I taught the Civil War, uh, and I told him it was fought over the tense of a verb. The North said the United States is, meaning authority was found under one union. The South said the United States are, meaning that each state maintained their own authority. And the, the social and moral issues that kind of ignited the Civil War, of course, was slavery. So uh, the, the slavery ignited the war in the middle of the Civil War, in the middle of it. Abraham Lincoln made a, a daring proclamation. You've all know it and you've all heard it and uh, you know the title of it. If you thought a moment, you'd remember it. If you don't, it'll come to your mind immediately. But it was the Emancipation Proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation. So here's what it says in part. And of course, this is not how we speak or write today, so I may butcher this up a little bit like I did even the title. On the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1,1863, all persons held as slaves within any state 
are designated part of the state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall then be therefore thenceforward and forevermore free. And upon this act, sincerely we believe that this is an act of justice warranted by the Constitution upon military necessity. I invoke and consider judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of our Almighty God, in witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, President Abraham Lincoln. After this proclamation, uh, the headlines read, Slavery Legally Abolished. Now, Galatians, uh, it's a letter that really talks about religious legalism abolished. That's what it's talking about. It's our Emancipation Proclamation. And uh, Galatians chapter 1, if you're here, we learn about the freedoms that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, uh, not sent from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me into the churches of Galatia, uh, in the, the area of Turkey today, that's where they are today. Uh, grace and peace be with you, God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, who rescued us from this present evil age according to the will of our God, and gave himself for our sins to rescue us uh, well, I read that again, to the present evil according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and you're turning to different gospel. Now, Galatians is the earliest letter that Paul wrote. Okay, now it's on down in the, the New Testament, but it's the earliest letter that, that he wrote. And when we first look at this, it's pretty obvious that, that Paul is, he's furious. He's upset with the church at Galatia. Uh, because of religious rules and religious rituals that they're talking about. And, and this letter is what Paul is. He writes to the church, and, and the remarks uh, he has for them are pretty coarse remarks. We're going to look at that. And uh, he doesn't open this letter with any kind of greeting like the church at Philippians. He wrote, I thank my God every time I remember you. Instead of writing those things... Paul really jumps right straight into the problem, and, and the problems is, is uh, something that they're teaching in the church. Now, Galatians is a short book. It only has six chapters, and uh, we could read it easily within a half an hour, the whole book, but uh, it packs a big bang. You know, dynamite's a, a, small, a small stick, but it packs a big bang, and that's really the way Galatians is. It's a, it's a book of spiritual dynamite. Uh, Warren Wearsby, y'all may have heard of him. I, I speak of him occasionally. Uh, he says this about the book of Galatians. The Galatians letter is not a book to be taken lightly. Galatians was Martin Luther's uh, chapter of liberty during the Reformation. Now, Martin Luther that uh, Warren Weathersby's talking about is the reformer Martin Luther back in 1500. He's not talking about Martin Luther King, and we're going to talk about him here in a minute, but uh, it was Martin Luther's greatest chapter of liberty during the Reformation. Luther's writings in turn brought about the truth of salvation by faith to John Wesley's heart in the meeting at the Albersgate Street in London. It was Wesley whom God used in such a remarkable way 
to superhead the revival in the British Isles, leading eventually to the foundation of the Methodist Church. And the revival positively affected the entire English-speaking world. As we study Galatians, we are participating in tremendous spiritual chain reaction that even today could still result in a revival. What Warren Weathersby saying, if we truly uh, understood the book of Galatians, even today it would, it would ignite a spiritual revival. I think it's important for us to know that there was a, a uh, flight going on during the flight. The, uh, the pilot come over the interco intercom. He said, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the captain speaking. I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is our navigation equipment is broken. We don't know where we are. We don't know where we're going. The good news is we have a good tailwind and we're making excellent time. Well, that's kind of our culture today, isn't it? We, we really, we're moving faster than we've ever moved before. We've got a good tailwind behind us, but a lot of people have no idea where we're going. And, and this, this Galatians answers that age-old question is, where do we find meaning in life? And what is meaning in life? Where are we going at such a fast pace? And, and what does life mean to us? So I've preached on this a, a couple of times, not on this passage of Scripture, but I've talked about legalism. And I want us to go back and think about what legalism is. We, we sing a song just now that talked about our, our chains are broken. We have several hymns that we talk about being set free. And, and I'm not sure that I always think about what that song truly means when we think about what are we set free from, what are we, what are we, what were we uh, captured by, and what were we enchained by, and I think the first answer to that is legalism. Some people have turned into a, a religious system of simply uh, keeping the rules as a meaning of life. That's what that's what religious legalism is. It's it's this thought that I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to keep these rules that I might please God. That's my purpose for living. And, and it wasn't long that after Paul started preaching that uh, he's preaching to the Gentiles and the, the ideal of legalism raised its head. Paul is, is uh, he's the minister to the Gentiles. He was a Jewish guy, but uh, he brought the gospel, the good news of Christ to the Gentiles. And, and we read about it in Acts chapter 15. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch where they were teaching the brothers unless you're circumcised according to the customs taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. What this is talking about is the, the Jewish believers, uh, when, when the, the church was first getting started, the Jewish believers, uh, they didn't have a problem keeping the Jewish law because they were already Jews. So the Jewish believers, as the Gentiles started coming in, and there were thousands of them coming in, they kind of had a meeting and they said, okay, uh, we, have, we have Jesus Christ and he's the savior of the world and we have all of these Gentiles that are wanting to be a part of this movement. So here's what they have to do. The first thing you have to do is you have to become a good Jew to be a Christian. So they said, if you want to be a Christian and you want to be a good Jew, then you have to go back and obey the laws of the Old Testament. 
So the law of the Old Testament, the first was this, circumcision. So it doesn't matter uh, how old a person was. It didn't matter uh, whatever their, their background, whatever their future was. They said this, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. And, and we, that's just one part of the law. So, so the Jews said this, Jesus Christ plus circumcision, you can be a Christian. The problem is legalism puts that plus in there. It's the one that, it's the one that says, okay, uh, Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus for, the, for these Jews and these Gentiles. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus all of these things equals Christianity. And that's what legalism is. The problem with legalism is it, it sets up an impossible standard. It sets a standard that, that we can't reach and that we can't keep. If we could keep the law, Christ would have never died. If, if God said, here's the law, and, and there was a way we could keep the law, then he would have never sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. But it's an impossible standard. Several uh, years ago, I've had a few tickets in my life. Can you believe that? I hardly ever speed. But I've had a few tickets. Several years ago, this is true. I've not always told the truth to a policeman, believe it or not. I could thought I'd come up with some good excuses. Never got out of a ticket, I don't guess. I, I'm the wrong sex, and uh, hair's not blonde and all that, I guess. So, but uh, usually if I got stopped, I got a ticket. But I, I've been on a trip about 200 miles. I was going out to South Texas, and uh, I had gotten a few tickets already recently, so I thought I had got to get i got to get it under control. Now, we didn't have a... I had a 76 Chevrolet short wheelbase pickup I wish I still had. Uh, but I was driving along. I said, I'm going to drive the speed limit. It was 55 back then, incidentally. Uh, I was driving along. I had a cassette player in my truck. Y'all those good cassettes. And I had a cassette case that had my cassette tapes in it. And uh, it had slid off of the, of the hump there in the floor into the the passenger floorboard. I'm on Highway 67. It's four lanes. It's late at night. There's nobody there. And I'm wanting to listen to some good country music, you know. So I, I kind of scooted over a little bit. And I kind of leaned down. And I got my case. And when I leaned back up, I saw these red lights on. I had not been speeding. That's true. I had not been speeding. Evidently, I was using that left foot to kind of pushed myself to the floorboard, and I, I pushed my uh, speedometer up too fast for the police uh, to like that, so they, uh, they pulled me over. This highway patrol pulled me over. He, you know, they always ask the dumb question, you know, do you, are, do you have an emergency? <laughs> do you know how fast you were going? Well, I, I thought, well, I must have been speeding, or you wouldn't have stopped me, you know, and uh, he said, is there a reason you're going this fast? And I told the truth. I said, man, I had my tape player cassettes fell in the floorboard. I reached over to get them. When I looked up, I was speeding. And that was all true. I, I, that is one of the few times I'm, I was completely telling the truth. You know what? Did not matter. He took my license and my insurance and my registration. You know, you, had, you just used to have to give all that to him. 
He went back to his car, and a few minutes he came back, and I used to could quote this, you know, we need you to sign. This is not a mission of guilt. This is saying you'll appear before court on this day. And, and uh, I signed the ticket, and I paid the ticket, and all of that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. That's legalism. It's the law, isn't it? It was legalism. There's no excuses. There's no room for errors. There's no mistakes, even if the tape player's in the floorboard over there. If we lean over and we get it and, and for some reason we break the law, hey, that's just the way it is. Now, I'm not saying that how we've trolled on anything wrong. That's his job was to keep the law. And my job was to obey the law. And if I did anything outside of the law, I was punished for it. Well, when it comes to our Christian relationship, that's what legalism tells us. And when we come to try to live that certain way, we can't do it. Because one of these days, your tape player is going to slide off in the floorboard. And you're going to push on the gas a little too hard, and you're going to break the law. So when we break the law, we stand guilty before God. And here's what was happening at the church at Galatians. They were telling these Christians, hey, you're under the law. You're not under grace. You're under the law. And, and grace is what we're under there. And we're going to get that uh, in, a, in just a minute. But legalism says this. We need to keep a, a set of rules to be saved. We need to live a certain way to be saved. And, and if we live a certain way and we do a certain thing, then God's going to love us more. And, and we spell that do. If I do enough, if I, if I can just do enough, if I don't do enough, God's going to be disappoint, disappointed in me. If, if I don't do enough, then God's not going to love me me or uh, if I do less God's not going to love me as much and we need to understand those witnessing and praying and all of those ministries all those things are necessity all of them are great things but they don't make God love us any more or any less Th those are those are results of our salvation matter of fact if you get over here and you you read some more in Galatians he talk he starts talking about the uh, the the fruit of the spirit and he says when you when you have the spirit of God living with you you're going to produce these fruits and they're right there in chapter 5 22 through uh, 23 and and I'm not going to read them but but those are results of our of our grace that we have from God it's not a result of of legalism so that was the first problem the, the the, the people were trying to live in legalism and think God would love them more because of their actions. Here's the second thing that folks were living, and it's called hedonism. And this is kind of where we are today. This hedonism means this. It's just the opposite of legalism. Hedonism says this. There are no boundaries. Who can tell me what Outback Steakhouse motto is? Does anybody know? No rules, just right. Y'all remember their commercials? That was their commercials. No rules, just right. That may be okay when it comes to steak, but, but it's a terrible way to live a life. This, this hedonism, it's, it's as old as the human race. Matter of fact, one of the first poems written was in 4200, or about 4200 years ago. And it says this, this is talking about Egyptian hedonism. It says, follow your desire as long as you shall live. Fulfill your needs upon the earth after the commandments of your heart. 
And behold, it's not given to a man to take his property with him. Behold, there's not one who departs that'll come back to life again. That was a little poem. Did you hear what it said? It, it's not given that a man would take his property. It's not given that one will come back again. So follow the commands of your heart. Here's what we say today in America. You only live once. Grab all the gusto you can. Get all you can get today. That's, that's hedonism. That book of Ecclesiastes, it's kind of an odd book, you know. And in that book, it, it's Solomon, and he's writing this book, and Solomon has 700 wives, 300 concubines. Those are wives, too. He had 1,000 wives. He, he, he's the one that wrote uh, in Proverbs, whoever finds a wife has found a good thing. That's too much of a good thing, isn't it, guys? I mean, a thousand, a thousand mother-in-laws, a thousand wives. Uh, you know, no wonder the first 11 books of Ecclesiastes talks about all the things that Solomon did to find happiness. When he was old, when he was beginning to be a little bit sour, no wonder he was getting that way. The 12th chapter... He finally says it all boils down to this. The first 11, he says, I denied myself nothing under the sun. Hedonism. Hey, no rules, just right. But in chapter, seven, uh, chapter 12, he, he, it boiled down to this. He says, I remembered my God of my youth. I kind of remember where I started Ecclesiastes 2:10 I decided myself nothing my eyes desired I refused my heart no pleasure but when I surveyed it all all the things my hand had done what I had toiled to achieve I realized everything was meaningless like chasing after the wind and nothing was gained under the sun here if you google hedonism h e d o n i s m there's a resort with the same name. Here's their advertisement. Sleep in. Stay up late. Give up counting calories. Have a drink before noon. Give up mineral water. Water. Dine in shorts. Talk to strangers. Don't make your bed. Go skinny dipping. Don't call your mother. Let your hair down. Don't pay for anything. Don't leave a tip. Just be yourself. That kind of sounds attractive, doesn't it? You know why it sounds attractive? Because it appears to our fleshly desires. I mean, hey, hey, this just it. This, there are no rules. It's just right. Just whatever you want to do. But Galatians 6, 8 says, The one who sows to please a sinful nature, from that nature he'll reap destruction. That's what the Bible says. Though the one who sows to please a sinful nature, from that nature <clears throat> he reaps destruction. So grace, you know, grace sets us free. And when we start talking about grace, we have freedom from grace. We have freedom from fear. Uh, and I'm going to stop right there this morning. I want us to really think about... Uh, because I know I don't have time to finish. We've got 15 minutes, but I know that I'm going to go over if I do that. So I want to, I want to stop, stop right there today. I want us to really think about legalism as we get ready to go. We sing a song. I asked them to sing this song that said, uh, My sins are gone. I've been set free. 
We may sing that again next week, so just go and plan on singing that. Uh, For my God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, uh, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. I want to ask you to think about your love. You know, it's hard for us. It's hard for me sometimes. How are we raised? We're raised to, to keep the rules, aren't we? You raise your children that way. They need to be raised that way. They can't just run wild and run crazy and run free. We, we so often put, uh, put conditions on our love, with our, even with our children. So I think we get geared in our mind uh, a system of legalism. But I want you to really consider this. God doesn't say, hey, my son Jesus, plus keep all of these things. God's word says this, it's by his grace we'll save through faith, not of ourselves, lest someone would boast, but it's a gift of God. That's what, that's what God's grace is. It's a gift of God. Hedonism says, you know what, there's no rules. That's really it's kind of where we are today in our world. Hey, there's no right, there's no wrong, there's no rules. You know, it's, it's all good, just uh, no rules, just right. Don't make your bed. Don't call your mom. Don't, don't just let your hair in. Don't pay for anything. Don't leave a tip. Just be beautiful in yourself. I want, I want us to ask you just to bow your heads in kind of an awkward place to end, but, you know, I want you to really think about, are you living in the freedom of God's grace? Here's the problem with legalism. You can never be free in legalism. In other words, there's always a little question in the back of your mind. Have I done enough? Have I said enough? Have I lived enough? Have I done enough? Is God pleased with me enough? We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But legalism binds us. It chains us to sin. But Christ came, and in his grace, he said, I'm freeing you from the bondage of sin. That's the law. From the, from the chains of sin, I'm freeing you. We're going to talk about a Christian's emancipation proclamation we find in Galatians. We've been set free from the bonds of sin, and we're to live as free men. So this morning, if you would say, boy, I'm weighted down. I, it's hard for me to be a Christian. It's, it's hard for me to think about coming to church. It's, it's hard for me to live up to the expectations. You know what? That's all baggage that Satan's placing on you. That's burdens that he's placing on you. When we can say, take a deep breath and relax in the grace of our Lord and Savior. In that we find joy. In that we find hope. Truly in that we find freedom. Father, I pray this morning as we just begin looking at the book of Galatians, Lord, we, we truly would understand what it is to have freedom in you. Father, that we know that Satan desires that we live in fear, that we live in bondage, uh, that we live in the ideal of 
If I do less, God wouldn't love me. We live in that age of to do, but Father, I pray that we would live in that age of done. That we would know, Father, you've taken care of the payment of sin. You've defeated Satan, you've defeated death, and you've given us life. And Lord, I pray that we would live our lives, even today in the world that we live in, as free men and free women, knowing that we've been set free by you and by your grace. Lord, I pray today that uh, in this time, Lord, that we would leave this place, we'd be filled with joy, we'd be filled with happiness, uh, and that we would truly live in your presence and in your freedom and in your grace. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.